Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. the love month so we have an entire list dedicated to love this afternoon dr sheldon leal phd music academic joining us on the line and really what an offering you've put us through i mean this is absolutely gorgeous dr leal hi hi how are you doing happy new year happy new year to you. i mean this is such a wonderful way to start our conversation what a beautiful way to start the conversation tell me about your choice well the reason like for today's show i thought it would be cool to, well, I mean, it's the month of love, so I thought it would be cool to focus on duets, mm-hmm. like people singing songs together, because to me, there's nothing better than hearing two voices harmonizing with each other. Mm. It's the ultimate, like, unification of all music. You're a scholar in music, right? And I, I'm trying to understand, I, I would never have imagined, let's say, Beyonce and Ed Sheeran, but, but it works. So what makes a collaboration work, music? Well, you see, the thing is, with all of these duets, there's like a common admiration for each other. Hmm. So like with, with this Beyonce duet, Beyonce had heard the Divide album and she fell in love with this specific song and Ed Sheeran found out about it and he approached her and said, you know, can we do something together on this song? And then she agreed. I think the beauty of um, uh, like, the, um, the, like the ultimate duet is, is like the... Like you know, like the whole yin and yang thing, mm, like mm, the dark mm, and shade, mm, like 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 having like two mean. very different types ah, of voices performing you. together. Yeah, like to me creates the ultimate duet between two people, and and with Beyonce and Ed Sheeran, you can hear the raspiness of his voice and the smoothness of her voice doing this collaboration together. So now people do collaborations without even being in the same country, let alone city, right? Yes. Has that changed somewhat, um, the nuances of, of making music together? I'm asking because maybe you've picked something up. I don't know. You know, like like we're going to hear a later song. The, the beauty, I mean, that people not singing in the same room together yes, has been yes. happening for yeah. many decades. Um <laughs> I think the the thing is that obviously when you go into studio, you're going to lay your part. Mm. And then when you hear the other part, it's about trying to blend the two voices together. Mm-hmm. So obviously 
you as the second vocalist going into studio are going to adapt whatever you're singing to whatever you're hearing that has already been pre-recorded. So that's what often happens. So one, one person will always be the guide. Is this where the producer really um, cements himself the most? Exactly. And the producer, I mean, is often like the third musician in the wheel, yeah, yeah. you know, because their, their input into the final production of the whole thing is just as much of a musical contribution as the person singing or playing the guitar or whatever it may be in the recording studio. Mm. I mean, and even there with the Lady Gaga song before that, yeah, yeah. Um, you can hear the, the disparity between the two voices, Lady Gaga versus Bradley Cooper's voice. I mean, and who even thought Bradley Cooper could sing? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and originally for that movie, it was, it, I mean, it was based on a, on a remake. The, the original, the, 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 this current movie was based on a, a remake that has been redone so many times. Mm. But they were originally thinking of like Jennifer Lopez or Will Smith or Tom Cruise as alternatives. And they finally, Bradley Cooper came on board and then decided that he wanted to do it with uh, Lady Gaga. Mm. And there you go. I mean, I couldn't hear Jennifer Lopez doing Shallow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, she's very pretty. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lady Gaga can sing. Even... Lady yeah. Gaga can sing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I think it's one of those for for many many years. Uh, we're going to speak about how surprised we are that she can sing, even though we know now already that she mm, can sing mm. because there is so much to her. But she really can sing. She really can. And, sing. and she's musically very talented. Absolutely. So not only can she sing, but she's instrumentally very, yes. very proficient. Yeah. So she's not only just a singer, she's mm. also a musician. Mm. Um, and that's obviously where, where Bradley Cooper got guidance from, is mm. from this phenomenal musical talent, which is Lady Gaga. Mm. So, so um, I mean, this is such a beautiful offering. Um, then we're going to go into, I think, one of, you know, all-time favorites tub kind of uh, a play yes. now, because I think this a lot of people recognize, and it's just yeah. one of those, you can't imagine the song without the two of these, these two musicians. You just can't imagine it. Uh, uh, James Ingram and Absolutely. Paddy Austin. Mm -hmm. uh, this, you know, like the next two songs, I think you're doing a double play, right? Yeah. Um, so the next two songs are very linked to each other, actually. Um, so Quincy Jones is the link between the next two. Mm. And Quincy Jones is a legend, like a producer legend. And uh, so obviously he helped Michael Jackson's uh, solo career, like at the beginning, mm. with Off the Wall, uh, Thriller and Bad. And he was like one of Quincy Jones's biggest thing is like helping to mentor younger talent. So both James Ingram and Paddy Austin were protégés mm. of Quincy Jones. And um the, and and he and when Quincy Jones worked with people, he worked with the same people. So Rod Temperton, the guy that wrote Thriller, also wrote this song Baby Come to Me. And um and just the 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 beauty of these two voices, like James Ingram's like you know, like rough voice with Paddy Austin's smooth, velvety voice over it. It's just like pop music perfection. Um, and then, and then we'll speak about the other song when we get back. But th this song to me is like an ultimate um, love song. Keep 
keep you talking on the line That's how it was And all those walks together Out in any kind of weather Just because Sting Cause I can't go goodness Michael Jackson and listen let me bring you back in here because I want us to talk about as you said the common thread here uh, Dr. Leal because I know a lot of people know the song but I mean the background behind the song are you talking about this I just can't stop loving you absolutely I just can't stop loving you yeah yeah so Sidia Garrett well there was big pressure on Michael Jackson to make bad work because Thriller had just happened in 1982 and they'd waited for five years for bad for the bad album to be released and people were like it's not going to be as successful as thriller what, what, what. so there was a lot of like pressure to make this album huge um and sadia garrett who's the duet partner on that song she had written a song for michael jackson called uh, man in the mirror mm-hmm. and at the same time michael jackson had written the song i just can't stop loving you and he wanted it to be a duet. Him and Quincy Jones wanted the song to be a duet. Um, and they approached Barbara Streisand and Whitney Houston and both turned him down. And they said, no, we don't want to do this track. We're not interested. <laughs> and so what happened was they invited um, Sadia Garrett into studio and they said to her, and she got, she arrived there and she was like, oh, I'm just going to do like some backing vocals for Man in the Mirror because I wrote that for Michael. And then they said, oh, by the way, you're doing a duet with Michael on I Just Can't Stop Loving You. And she was like, what? And um, and that's how she landed up being the duet partner mm. on I Just Can't, Can't Stop Loving You. It was the first single wow. release off Bad. It went straight to number one. <laughs> and it was the first of five number ones from the album. And it broke the record wow. for most number ones from one album. Wow. Yeah, look at that. So I mean, look huge. at that. Talk about absolute fluke. We'll be back with more after the headlines at 2.30. Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM. 105.3 FM in Uppington. Take your 
Dr. Leal, even those with absolutely no vocal abilities sing along to the song Diana Ross and uh, Lionel Richie, Endless Love. My goodness, what a selection. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about those two songs that you just played is that um, bo- both were younger men uh, who were helping older stars ah. rekindle their careers, ah. but yet they will also use the more established stars to push their careers forward. Yes. So um, Lionel Richie was starting off his solo career. He'd, made, he'd become famous with the Commodores, yes. but um, he hadn't released a solo album. So Endless Love was his big first hit, and it was his biggest hit. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what do you do? It's Dinah Ross. It had to be. Exactly. And Dinah Ross was like, she'd already had a big time, and this was also her biggest hit. So it was... It was the second biggest hit of the year in uh, 1981. And it was written for a movie called Endless Love, which no one remembers because <laughs> it was a flop. <laughs> but remembers the song. Absolutely. I remember that. Exactly. And it was for a Franco Zeffirelli movie. So the producer, the director was very famous, but the movie was a complete write-off. Uh, do, do, were they in the same record company? Yes. Yeah. And they were both signed, yeah. to, signed to Motown Records. Yeah. So, but... Incidentally, what had happened was uh, Diana Ross's contract had terminated and mm. she'd moved on to a new label, but they still like captured her within the end of the last contract leading into the, to her new contract with RCA Records. But they were both signed to Motown. So let's talk about Aretha Franklin, who, whose career never actually ever dulled because as you thought she was getting older then there was another hip song that she was singing with George Michael in other words she was just evergreen and was it because of the people she collaborated with she was always very good at like remaining current although she was this big diva from the 1960s Mm. she always had like the hottest producers who were always working on it, like she collaborated with Lauren Hill later in her career, and Mary J. Blige. I mean, she collaborated with people across the board. Mm. But what happened in the 1980s, and although she was the Queen of Soul, she only ever had two number ones. Her first being in 1967 was Respect, and the second being I Knew You Were Waiting For Me 20 years later in 1987. Exactly. So with Aretha... The thing that made her so relevant was the fact that she was so consistent Mm. in releasing amazing work over the years. Mm. Um, But what had happened was in about 1984, um, she was approached by, um, uh, she was taken, her her, she got signed to a record label called Arista Records. Mm -hmm. And Clive Davis was the head of Arista. Mm -hmm. And um, he discovered Whitney Houston, and he was trying to revive her career. Mm -hmm. And he suggested that she do something with George Michael. And she was like, I love George Michael. Uh, Let's do something together. (laughs) Um, But George Michael was at the height of his career at that mm-hmm. moment, he was with Wham, mm-hmm. and they were doing, they they were very busy, and he didn't have time, and also he felt very intimidated to do something with Aretha yeah. because she was this icon. <laughs> yes. So um, he's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to write something that she's going to enjoy. Yeah. So, I don't know, like, I'm, I, 
I don't know what to do. So then 1987 comes around and, and George Michael is asked to write a song for Aretha and he, he writes the song and Aretha just loves it. Mm. She thinks this guy's amazing. It reminds her of her earlier producer, mm. Jerry Wexler, who made her a superstar. She felt that it was the same kind of work ethic. She, she, she stated that George Michael's work ethic in the studio was phenomenal. It was actually, I mean, I was wondering, you know, who, who said yes first, but this story explains it all because yeah. she was a big star. And, and suddenly the song, I think, gave her such a wonderful spring to her step. It, it kind of felt yeah. like such a revival again. Yeah, but I think that was Clive Davis as well. You know, mm. although it was this amazing collaboration between the power voice, and in this instance, you've got the power voice being Aretha Franklin and the smooth voice being George Michael. Yeah. Um, um, it was Clive Davis who had the vision yeah. to like bring these people together and revive Aretha Franklin's career. Because had he not had that vision, Aretha Franklin would have just become, a, has been a soul artist. But Clive Davis had this amazing way of reinventing artists. Like he did the same thing for Santana in 1999 yeah. with the Supernatural album. Yeah. And he had, like, he had this concept, let's mix you up with a whole lot of young artists. And it completely revived Santana's career in 1999. Our very last song, let's do it. And then we'll chat some more after that. Awesome. Oh, I'm, I know people are going to smack me, but we have to cut this short. And we've really come to the end of this wonderful journey. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Leela. I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful. A few words maybe about the song quickly before we go. Uh, well, that song was performed by a husband and wife team called Captain and Tenille, And the song was uh, highly inspired by the Beach Boys and Al Green oh. because... The husband, Captain, was a keyboard player for the Beach Boys. And the song was borrowed from, um, was, was written with Diana Ross in mind, incidentally. Okay. And yeah, it was released in 1976. It was number one for nine weeks in 1976. I've loved talking to you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pamela. It's Have a great lovely. afternoon and weekend. Have a good one. Thank you so, so much. Now, that is Dr. Sheldon Leal, and he is a music academic and uh, really something that uh, I think was just such a wonderful tribute to what they call the Love Month. So that that was the Love Month, and it will be available as a podcast. So just uh, wait a bit, and uh, in a few minutes, we'll be able to, po to post it as uh, our podcast on our social media platforms.